0: Everyone, welcome back to Around the
1: Table, the podcast of Redemption Women. My name is Dina Rogers, and I'm Caitlin Anderson. We're women from Redemption Tempe, where we gather around the table, immerse ourselves in Scripture, and disciple one another toward Christ.
0: We're studying prayer this season, and if you're following along with us in our journal, Lord, teach us to pray. We are on week six, and the topic is lament. We're so grateful to have our friend Jamie at our table today. Hi, Jamie. Hi. Hi. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself,
2: just your age and stage, and we'll get into Lament in a little bit. Um, I'm 36. I've been coming to Redemption Tempe for, I think, about 11 or 12 years. Uh, So I've been here for a while. I actually met my husband uh, through the church. We've been married for about six and a half years. Um, His name is Grant. Um, We have, uh, well, I should say I'm a stay-at-home mom mostly. Um, So I have one living son. His name is Finn, and he's three years old. And then uh, I work, um, so to speak, on the side as an administrative assistant for the church, um, about part-time. And I used to be a project manager in my past life before I became a mom. (laughs) And so uh, having the opportunity to uh, work in that capacity of planning and organizing um, and doing administrative tasks has been a huge blessing for me, because I believe that's how God has gifted me. Um, But I do also
1: love being a mom. Jamie, I've had the privilege of knowing you for 12 years and the privilege a few years ago of um, working with you here at the church. And you have God, you said that's how God has gifted you. And he it's, he's really gifted you with this love for administration. I've never seen anybody get so excited about an Excel file and you are so good at it. And I just love watching the way that you use this gift that God's given you for administration to help and serve the church. And it's just a blessing to watch you use this gift God's given you. So before we get
0: into your story, Jamie, I thought, Caitlin, maybe you could give us a little background on our study this week. We're studying from Lamentations 3, the lament of the prophets. We started there. So what can you tell us about that for some background?
1: Yeah, so in Lamentations, it's the prophet's cry of lament. And most people think it's probably the prophet Jeremiah, but we don't know for sure. And the whole book is him just lamenting the brokenness that has become his nation, his nation that he loves so much, his nation that he tried to get to turn back to God, but instead they lived in their sin and dwelled in their sin, and now he's watching the nation just be destroyed. And one thing that I love about lamentations, but really throughout the Bible is how many times God has shown us the importance of lament. We see in Job, Job crying out and lament to God at the brokenness that has become his life and the pain and the suffering that he's going through. We see in Lamentations, obviously the prophet crying out and lament. And we see in the New Testament too, Jesus talking about the importance of lament. He says in Matthew 5, 4, in his famous Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And one thing, Dina, when I was going through a season of lament in my life that you pointed out to me is in Matthew 14, when Jesus was told the news that his beloved cousin, John the Baptist, was mm-hmm. killed, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Even when the disciples were in the ocean and they were being rocked by uh the storm that was there and he knew he was going to go and save them but first he went to pray and i'm pretty sure that his prayer was a prayer of lament yeah
0: for sure what grief he must have mm-hmm. experienced at the loss of his his good relative the man who had baptized him who had mm-hmm. just been beheaded yeah for sure well Jamie let's get into your story I would love to have you share a little bit of your story and what it is that has made lament such an integral part of how you
2: live? Yeah, so I, um, I'm going to focus. <clears throat> I'm going to focus mostly on my my recent stories, so the last few years of my life. Um, you know, would would really. That would be the the time when I really learned um, the power of lament and the need um, to lament. So I mentioned earlier that I've been married for about six years, and I have um, one living son who's three years old. Um, I actually have um, two children, so I had a second son in, uh, he would have been a year and a half old today. Uh, his name was Royce Quill. Um, so we, uh, we got pregnant with him and at um, the 20 week ultrasound, so halfway through our pregnancy, um, we uh, received a terminal diagnosis for him. He had a, um, um, a birth defect called anencephaly. And so at that point, um, we were told um, really no no certain information. He could have died at any point during the pregnancy. Um, He could have died during delivery. He could have lived for hours, um, days, or weeks, or even months after he was born. So um, pregnancy is always a very uncertain thing, but it became even more uncertain for us. And the next five months, um, we just really struggled with the fact that uh, we were going to be losing our son. Um, we were living in New Mexico at the time, um, and that's actually part of uh, my husband's story of lament, is having to give up um, a really great job in New Mexico to come back home to Arizona so we could be with our friends and family when we lost our son. Uh, he was uh, he was born in July and actually survived birth, and he lived for five hours. Um, which were five beautiful hours, um, but also five very sad hours. Um, And he died in my arms. Um, So um, it has been a crazy journey, learning how to lament the death of my son, um, but also trust God with that. So um, on top of that, just kind of after he died, our our life was really tumultuous. Um, We we almost lost our house. due to some renters um, actually having a meth lab in it. (laughs) Um, And so we almost lost our house. Um, I got a a life-changing medical diagnosis about six months after we lost uh, Royce Quill, Um, and then a life-changing mental diagnosis after that as well, Um, and just went through a lot of ups and downs for, um, well, ever since we lost him about a year and a half ago and then um, I actually just experienced uh, a miscarriage last week. So we lost another child uh, a week ago. Um, so it's been. A- wow, I'm so sad and sorry for your
0: loss. But help us know. Well, first, let me ask you this what's the difference between lament? And just being really, really sad or being depressed. Like, what's the difference?
2: Yeah, so <clears throat> I've actually had this question before, and I'm part of a bereaved parents support group that I meet with once a month. And we actually talked about this, um, kind of the same question a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a really good one. Um, I I think that lamenting is a is a very assertive action, if that makes any sense. So um, I'm always going to be sad that my son died. Um, I will always grieve him, um, at least on, you know, this side of heaven. I will always grieve him. And I'm always going to carry a touch of sadness with me um, that he died. I don't lament 24 hours a day. Um, I have learned over the last few years that lament is a very specific action, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would probably apply to most people. Um, and there is kind of also a difference between lamenting and mourning. Um, when I mourn my son's death, um, I'm mourning specifically just that he has died and, that, and his loss and the time I didn't get to spend with him. Um when I lament, I'm lamenting specifically to God. I am crying out to him in pain and in sorrow and often in anger. Um, so to me being sad or, or grieving or, or mourning, um, a state of grief is something that I will always be in and mourning is when I can mourn the loss of my son but lamenting is in a way, um, a holier place, because i'm lamenting to God this loss, and to say it in christian terms i'm laying it at his feet, um, and I think that term gets overused a little bit but but that's what i'm doing i'm bringing my grief and my mourning and my sadness to him
1: in my lament yeah I'm having kind of a hard time speaking up here, Jamie, because i'm just choking up having. walks through all of this with you I'm getting teary-eyed because I have lamented along with you and the loss of your children and the loss of um, Grant's job and all the things that you guys have had to endure this year and I cry out to God often for you guys just saying God why why and that's something that I think is significant about lament is I think as Christians we Uh, sometimes feel like we have to jump to hope. We have to say, oh, but God, you are good first. But that's not what we see biblically. We see that first they come to God and they say, God, why? I don't understand. You can bring your anger to God. You can bring your grief to God. You can bring your pain. You can lay it at his feet like you said, and we don't have to jump to hope. We might eventually get there, and we even see in Lamentations 3 that they do get to hope, but first he cries out and laments. So, Jamie, in your laments, um, where have you seen God, and what does that look like for you?
2: Um, <clears throat> this is a very complicated, nuanced answer that I will try to <laughs> to, um, to make a little bit simpler. Uh In my lament, um, as I have lamented um, losses in my life, uh, I have hit complete rock bottom and I have seen how desperately I need God um, in those places of lament. And I think that in our Western pull yourself up by your bootstraps, I can do this, I am strong culture, which I'm very steeped in, that's how I was raised with my family, that's how I've you know, lived and still continue to battle. Um, but in that culture, um, we have this idea that a deep hunger and this deep need independence is actually a weakness and a bad thing. But I've seen so much how the beautiful release that comes from saying, oh God, how I need you, Um, and how it releases this burden from me to carry things all on my own. Um, And that's been such a beautiful thing to see my need for him and to see that he provides and to see that I don't have to do it myself. Um, And then on the other side of things, um, my lament has drawn me so much closer to the people that that God loves, which are all of us we're all made in his image. And um, you know the old saying, misery loves company. And um, I think in true grief and lament, that's not actually the case. Um, I have lamented the deaths of so many other children. Um, And just the the closeness and the community that comes from truly lamenting for another person. Mm -hmm while it's incredibly sad, obviously I'm crying just thinking about it, um, there's just a bond, there's a beautiful bond there that can't be replaced with um, a perfect white picket fence and a life that goes exactly the way we think we want it. Um, There's a depth to lamenting with and for others that you will not get out of a perfect, picture-perfect life that
1: goes the way that you planned. That's so good. Um, I know for me, a few years ago when I went through a season of grief, that community just surrounded me. And that was just a really integral part the people that came in and said, this is awful, and I'm going to sit with you in this brokenness. And I think, Jamie, you've taught me a lot about that too as I've come to you um, wanting to lament over other people people's loss in our church, and wanting to know how to lament, and you very much have just said, sit with them. Um, But how can you teach someone, what would you say to someone who knows someone who is walking through grief? How can we lament with others, and how can we be a community that um, doesn't try to get them to jump to hope, but sits in their lament and laments with them well? And can I just add one more phrase to that question? especially
0: for people who haven't experienced the grief, mm-hmm. grief that you had. Mm. Yeah. You know, like, am I good enough to lament with you if I haven't watched through that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, can you talk to that?
2: That's a, that's a good question. Um, so I'm a very practical person, so I'm going to give um, a couple of really practical answers. But before I do, I want to go back to something that you said, Caitlin, about how as Christians we often jump to hope. Um, and that's my number one suggestion is to not do that. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's very, it's so easy and it looks good to quote James and say, you know, t- to celebrate and to, you know, count it all joy and, um, we love going there. But, um, when Jesus was on the cross, as he was being crucified, he was lamenting. He wasn't saying, I counted all joy. He did count it all joy, but when he was in the midst of his suffering, he cried out, he lamented um and I think that um we we do God a disservice when we want to jump past all of the pain and just get to the good stuff. I don't think that that's a Christian thing; I think that's a western culture thing, mm-hmm. so that would be my my non practical answer is to don't don't jump to the hope to be okay with being uncomfortable with that person that's in grief. Um, And sometimes the glass isn't half full. It just isn't. Um, The glass was not half full when my son died, or you know, it was half empty. It was a sad time, (coughs) excuse me, a sad, a sad, sad time. (coughs) I'm sorry. So I would say that's my my first and my most important answer. Um, But practically speaking, I would say that if you're, if you're trying to support somebody that's in any sort of grief, and this doesn't just apply to child loss, this applies, applies to any sort of grief or struggle, um, is to not lay it on the other person to tell you what they need. Um, the statement, let me know if you need anything, needs to be removed from our vocabulary. <laughs> um, don't be afraid to give specific things. So instead of saying, let me know if you need anything, say, Uh, Is there something specific I can pray for? Is there a day I can bring you a meal? Is there a day that I can drive your kids to school? Is there a day that I can come hang out with you? Can I just drop off a cup of coffee? Because you're an introvert and you don't want to hang out with me. (laughs) Um, Don't be afraid to give specific, tangible ways to help people. Um, So that would be my first practical suggestion. So my second practical suggestion would be remembering Um, I think we are, we are to be uh, a remembering people as Christians, Um, and remember, if it is specifically with child loss, remember that child's birthday, remember that child's name. If it's even the loss of of an adult parent or a grandparent or anything, remember, remember that person that has died. Um, If it's not the loss, uh, if if it's not death, if it's the loss of a job, like my husband had to give up a job he truly loved, um, don't be afraid to remember those things and bring them up to that person. I think a lot of people, especially Dina, like you asked, if you've not gone through grief, am am I, is it okay for me to be supportive? Am I capable of supporting somebody if I haven't gone through the grief they've gone through? I think the mistake that's often made, and I have made myself um, prior to losing a child, is thinking, well, I don't want to ask that person about the thing that they're grieving because I don't want to bring it up. Guess what? They're already thinking about it. I don't ever forget that my son died. And so if somebody reminds me of him or brings him up, that's a beautiful thing. So I think being a remembering people who are willing to talk about the grief and the pain is huge.
1: Wow, thank you so much, Jamie. I just wanna say, Jamie, that's something you have taught me so much is sometimes we don't say anything to people that are grieving because we're afraid of saying the wrong thing. And you've taught me that I'd rather you come to me with a messy jumble of words than to just not come yes. to me at all. And so I love that you say, just keep thinking, keep remembering. You have taught me so much, Jamie, about walking with people in grief. Um, So thank you.
0: Well, we always like to end our podcast asking our guests if they have a favorite prayer story that they could share with us. So it can be about anything, but Um, does anything um, come to
2: mind? I I actually have a lot that come to mind, but the one I'm going to give is is recent. Um, So as I've just explained, <laughs> been through a lot of grief um, and trauma and struggles over the last few years. Um, and I've been so amazingly blessed by communities, specifically at Redemption Church, um, also just helping counseling, um, our bereaved parent support group that I mentioned, our friends and our family um, have been so supportive. Um, and I've done a lot of work over the last few years. I mentioned that I got a, um, a couple of diagnoses last year that were, were really a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and recently just had a lot of people praying for me um, to be released from a lot of those struggles. And um, my life has changed pretty significantly ever since really bringing those struggles to God. Um, and uh, And I don't mean in a, you know, uh, that I was of healed of my physical diagnosis, um, but just praying to be released from doubts that God doesn't love me, um, and now finally understanding that I, that I am his daughter and that I love him. And the thing that's, or that he loves me, I do love him, but <laughs> finally understanding that he loves me, um, the thing that struck me the most in the months following that prayer, um, that answer to prayer, and that release from that state of oppression, um, is that life hasn't gone really great ever since then. I, I just had a miscarriage. And it took us a year and a half to get pregnant again after we lost our son. And for that first pregnancy to end in loss is um, is terrible. And it's it's been terrible to lose that child, to lose another child. Um, but I think what that answer to prayer, having those people pray over over me, um, has made me realize is that I have a pretty skewed idea of what abundant life is. Um, and I think we all do. I think that we subconsciously think that an abundant life is being fulfilled in all the ways we think we need to be fulfilled. Um, but there's still so much pain and lament, even in an abundant life, because we live in a broken world. And an abundant life is being constantly filled with Jesus. Um, And man, I hate to sound like so Christian-y, but but it's just the truth. Um, And that has been such an enormous answer to prayer for me, realizing that abundant life doesn't actually lie in me having tons of kids. I would like to have more. Um, but abundant life um, lies in me constantly finding that satisfaction in Jesus, and as you know, as non-practical as that sounds, and it, it you know people hear that and wonder what does that mean. Um, it's the truth, and I I couldn't I couldn't have asked for a better answer to prayer than finally understanding that. Hmm. Beautiful. I love that. I love
0: that you're christiany don't (laughs) don't apologize for something that doesn't sound practical i've actually just been really reading and thinking the last couple weeks about how jesus was made perfect in suffering Mm -hmm. and my first response to that was wait wasn't he already perfect because he's god but he was made whole he was made complete Mm -hmm. our human experience is made complete when through suffering we find that the only place we can be is dependent on god so So, i liked your answer I think it was good for all of us. Well, thank you, Jamie, so much. We'd love to have you back again sometime. That was a great conversation. I think that's about all the time we have for today. But we look forward to gathering again with you next time as we gather around our podcast table, immerse ourselves in scripture, and disciple one another towards Jesus.